0: Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on a Thursday on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Joining us now as he does every single Thursday at this time, our guy from WBZ News Radio in Boston, Adam Coffin. Adam, what's up, man? How are you?
1: Uh, you know, it's exciting times on the Boston sports scene. There's a lot going on right now. Some good, some not so great, but it's it's busy. It's you know certainly a far cry from where we were a year ago at this time. Absolutely. Let's let's save the Celtics for halfway through this interview.
0: Let's start with the Patriots. My sure. optimism is high. My expectations are back. How are you feeling now about the Pats?
1: Depends on your expectations, right? If your expectations are Super Bowl here we come, I would temper those. If your expectations are they're certainly better than they were when they finished up seven and nine last year and are positioned well, I think to to be in the playoff mix, then then those are appropriate expectations. You know, I'm certainly feeling good about what they've been up to the first four days here of this. You know, first the legal tampering period, and then of course the first couple days of of free agency, and they've just been it's been the team nationally. It's not just a Patriots bias nationally. This has been the team out there making the most waves going out and adding what a dozen players to this point ballpark, including re-signings, yeah. or, but mostly free agents and some familiar names like a Kyle Van Noy coming back as well. I, I love that they have really sort of distributed things evenly. I'm not talking financially. I mean, in the sense of, you know, they've, they've spent a good amount of attention on offense, obviously adding some, depth receiver additions, and a couple of, you know, huge tight ends. Uh, Hunter Henry was always on my radar. To come away with him and Jonu Smith, that's a win. And I like those deals as well. And obviously, defensively, they have been very, very busy. Love Kyle Van Noy coming back. Love the Matt Judon deal. Jalen Mills should be a good acquisition. Naturally, uh, Patrick Chung retired earlier today. That's a bit of a bummer. But you have Dante Hightower coming back. Uh, You know, I just think there are... Plenty of questions that remain. You know, I I think the the quarterback situation, we know it's Cam at the moment, but the quarterback situation is a question mark. And, you know, I have theories there. And then, obviously, the wide receiver situation is still a bit of a question mark because they don't have that clear-cut number one. But, uh, you know, you have to like what Bill Belichick has been up to, aggressive and spending, you know, to the tune of about $300 million to this point. And they still, the way they've structured these deals, seem to have – 25 or so million dollars remaining yep. in salary cap space this offseason if they elect to use it.
0: I'm a cam guy. I know you're not a huge cam guy. So those differences aside, what do you think they ask Cam to do? Cuz I the the term game manager has become such an ugly word, but I don't think that it should be. I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad thing to say, "Hey Cam, we're going to put you in advantageous situations and not ask you to throw it 65 times." Like what do you see them asking Cam to do?
1: well not that obviously i mean you know cam newton just by virtue of who he is and this was true when he was an mvp in in carolina like that's not a guy you're looking to go out there and and obviously 65 is an embellishment you're not looking for him to go out there and throw the ball 40 times on the regular yeah. you know you want him to throw it 25 to 30 times and you know run probably i don't know 8 to a dozen times something like that and and just be kind of a you know a, a much improved version of what he was last year now in year number two in the system again provided he is the starter now I'm not especially the way they structured his deal I'm not locked into believing that he is this team's starting quarterback week one I absolutely believe a trade could still materialize whether yeah. you want to say it's Jimmy Garoppolo if the Niners are able to upgrade and find a better option and the Deshaun Watson thing which seemed like such a pipe dream and this is you know provided the obvious that he's cleared of these very serious allegations that he's dealing with but but if, you know, if he ends up becoming available and as desirable as he was until a couple days ago, then, you know, I, I don't think that those possibilities are, are off the table either. Still a, a bit of a pipe dream, but I don't think, you know, wholly unrealistic as, you know, it would have been if you had asked me about him this time last week. But, you know, I, I do think I, I'm inclined to be with you in that things are shaping up for Cam to be the starter and the team to go out and add a quarterback in the draft, hopefully high up in the draft. I don't think they're done at the quarterback position. They're going to add a guy. I just I refuse to believe in my heart of hearts. They're just going to roll it on back with Cam and Stidham and improve, you know, all around them and obviously on the defensive side of the ball. But in terms of what you're asking Cam to do again, you're number two in the system after hopefully a more traditional off season and mini camps and OTAs and preseason games and, and just, you know, year two with the playbook and with teammates and with the coaching staff and, and no COVID, you know, you're looking for him. And I, I don't mean no COVID in the world, no COVID for cam. Cause obviously yeah. he had it last year and that <laughs> played a role in derailing his season. You're hoping that he is going to be, Uh, Just, again, a much improved version of what he was. It's just I I caution people who are all sorts of excited and feeling like, you know, we didn't get a even remotely representative version of Cam Newton in year one last year to remember that, you know, his last couple of years in Carolina before he came here, he kind of sucked. So, it's, you know, it's it's not like, you know, you're, you were getting MVP Cam last year and he let you down. You know, we all got excited with what we saw the first two weeks of the season, and then the bottom fell out. If he can be 75% of the player that he was the first two weeks last year, Patriots fans are going to be thrilled.
0: You know, I kind of see the Patriots looking like the Browns last year in the sense that Run first team, plays a lot in second and three, second and four, and manageable. A lot of play action with these tight ends. And yes, Cam's a worse thrower than Baker, but he offers running stuff that Baker doesn't run. And then the Browns didn't have a very good defense last year, but the Patriots will have a good defense they can lean on in some way. So I kind of see the Patriots being Browns-esque from last year. Does that seem like a fair comparison?
1: I just wonder, and this kind of goes back to your last question a little bit with regard to Cam and just the offense and how they're going to utilize these weapons. I wonder if, you know, because as we know, like Cam's arm is not what it once was. He's not going to be on the regular throwing the ball 40, 50 yards downfield. Now, it doesn't mean he couldn't have some long touchdowns where, you know, he completes a a 20 or 25 yard pass and then the guy breaks one off from there whether it's Aguilar or Bourne or whomever else or obviously Harry if he's still with the team or Myers you know go down the list but you know I'm just wondering if we're we're almost looking at a from not a a running perspective and offense in general but just purely pass catching if we're looking at kind of you know, like dink and dunk slants and and twenty yard methodical move the ball every time down the field and and not really target the big plays. Like without that, you know, unless Julian Edelman, if, if we're just to presume that he is fully healthy and that he is this team's number one, or that Myers takes yet another leap forward and he is this team's number one, yeah, you know, would you be surprised right now if like Jonu Smith or Hunter Henry were the team's primary pass catcher? I no. would. You know, so I—it's just such a balanced receiving core right now that I think, you know, it's it's almost less about Cam and more about that group in terms of what to expect from the offense yeah. next year.
0: Adam Coffin, WBZ News Radio in Boston, with us here on the Brady Farkas Show every single Thursday at this time on WDEV. All right, let's move to the Celtics. Um, I don't want to just simply <laughs> ask you why, I don't want to just <laughs> ask you why do they stink. So I'll make it a little bit more nuanced. Why are they so bad in the fourth quarter? They have the worst differential, point differential in the league in the fourth quarter. They're the worst defense in the fourth quarter. Like, they got beat by a team that's 10 games under 500 yesterday. Why are they so bad late from your perspective?
1: I Well, I really don't know. I don't think anybody knows that includes them. You know, if if people had the answers to this, they wouldn't (laughs) be, right? You know, It's and it's not like, you know, back, there was a point in time, obviously, a few years back, we were saying, like, man, this team just, it doesn't have a closer. Like, Danny Ainge, you need to go out and acquire a closer, and he would say that. You know, this is obviously before Tatum and Brown and Walker and Irving, and even to a degree before Isaiah Thomas, you know, King in the fourth. Like, they... They they had to go out and it's why we were always talking about guys like Carmelo Anthony like they, yeah. they need to go out and acquire a closer a guy who can light it up in the fourth quarter well guess what I mean they have those guys you know like Brown and, and Tatum we've seen it they can absolutely take over a game in the fourth quarter and you know go hog wild and win you know I th- I think the the larger point that you were alluding to, and it's not specific to the fourth quarter. It's, it's all throughout. I mean, it was the whole first half yesterday. Yeah, It's just, there's, there's a listlessness. There's a a lackadaisical uh, element to the, I, I can't figure out why this team is just out there going through the motions as often as it is playing. Like it doesn't care playing. Like there's, you know, I heard Kendrick Perkins say this on TV and it's true. There's this, this, this expectation, like, You know, they like they they're above this, like they don't need to go out and earn it against a team like Cleveland that you know, those lowly cavaliers, like we're just gonna walk into the gym and we're gonna win this thing. Well, no, I mean, evidently not. You know, these teams aren't necessarily better than you. The Cleveland Cavaliers are not better than the Boston Celtics, but they sure as hell wanted it more last night, and we're seeing that more often than not with these C's. You know, it's people say, like, what is the team's identity? Well, how many times do you need to hear, hear Brad Stevens or players say it? Their identity, and I've said it to you a thousand times, their identity needs to be defense. It needs to be defense. And you know what the key is to defense? Given a crap. yeah, Which they don't. More often than not, when they are on the floor, they go through these long periods of just the give a bleep meter being so low. They need to be more aggressive. They need to... They need to care more. They need to give more effort. Defense, you know, there's an element of skill, of course, but defense is largely effort-based, and they're not putting in the effort on that end of the floor. And then they're going and just shooting like, you know, it's, trying to shoot their way back into these games and sometimes it works more often than not it doesn't you know they could have stolen that one last night but should we be talking about stealing a game in Cleveland of course not so it's just it's just one embarrassment after another unfortunately and I know they had the little win streak there sandwiched around the all-star break and that was great but was anybody duped into believing like oh everything's fixed you shouldn't have been this is a group that They're 20 and 20. Like they're in the same conversation with the Knicks in the standings, a team that we, you know, we, we perennially make fun of. And, and even this year, but you know what, you know what the difference is between like the Celtics 20 and 20 and the Knicks 20 and 21 or whatever it is. Celtics are underachieving because they're playing like they don't care. The Knicks are overachieving because they're playing like they want it always. And it's, you know, those are the teams that are more enjoyable to watch like the Brad Stevens 25 win team in year one in his NBA career was a more enjoyable team to mm-hmm. watch than this year. And it had no talent because they were out there trying, you know, that's like, that shouldn't be that much to ask of fans. You know, it was
0: always laughable that Brad Stevens was going to leave the Celtics for Indiana, but like, mm-hmm. I just think at this point, Indiana is so irrelevant. And I'm starting to think like the tournament aside, I'm excited for the tournament, but college basketball in general feels irrelevant to me right now. Do you see it that way? Like I I have, like, you're not convincing me to watch Iowa and Iowa State on Big Monday anymore.
1: I think a large part of that is, and and granted, look, I'm in the Boston area. I didn't grow up a college basketball fan. Yep. Most people around here don't. So, you know, there's, there's already an inherent kind of, you know, college basketball ambivalence just from growing up in New England. But putting that aside, I think so much of what drives college basketball in terms of its fandom are the fans. And what I mean by that is fans in the building, you know, like (laughs) Big Monday, big Wednesday, you know, Mountain West games, obviously college conference tournaments onto, you know, March Madness and and the fans being there supporting their programs, their teams all in the garb, decked out, faces painted, mm-hmm. logos, whatever, and, you know, being in all the different regions and traveling from site to site. I know this year is going to be different, you know, obviously the, the tournament's solely in Indianapolis so it's not going to look or feel the same way as it traditionally does you know on on route to that one shining moment but you know you you see fans in those highlight videos as much as you see plays you know when it comes to you know here in Luther Vandros at the end of the tournament so this is you know I think the fans in in college sports are just such a huge component to what drives interest you know even if it's me or you not going to games and just watching on TV, a lot of the atmosphere isn't just filling out your bracket. And, you know, was I right or was I wrong or rooting for a 15 over a two or whatever? It's like, man, like, listen how loud it is in that arena and how passionate and how fun and, and the crowd going bonkers after that game winning three. Like that's, that's what it's all about. And that's what, you know, clearly we've been missing over the last year plus because last year there was no tournament, and this year, you know, it's it's just it it'll we'll watch, right? But it's just not going to feel the same.
0: You're a Syracuse guy, right? Do your Orange yeah. make a deep run this year? No, they, <laughs> shouldn't, they shouldn't even be in there.
1: It's I mean, it's it's great that they are, and I'll you know I'll I'll pick them to go around out of my own personal bias. But will I be surprised if Syracuse loses in round one? Of course not. Well,
0: I like I like the point guard there, Joe Girard III, as a Capital Region guy. Went to the same here high school as Jimmer Fredette, so I've covered him, interviewed him, so I got a personal rooting interest in him. So I'll give him a uh, you know I'll, I'll root for Syracuse just because of him. So I'm with you. So all
1: I know is I let my kids you know fill out a bracket just for funsies, obviously. And my six year old out of you know out of allegiance loyalty to me, I think. Uh, and there was <laughs> there was no pushing here. He just you know he he picks Syracuse to win the whole thing. So I'm I'm riding with him, man. Let's go. Well, you're going to have some very disappointed kids. Yeah, I really will.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Adam Goffman, WPC News Radio. Adam, we will talk to you again next week, man. All right, bud.